Welcome to Health Trust Clinical Services Candid Conversations. This is a conversation series where we highlight physicians, clinicians, and supply chain leaders who are innovating, caring for those in need, and working to improve human life. In this conversation, I talked to Health Trust Clinical Warrior Corey Goldstein, Director of Resource and Materials Management at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Yonkers, New York. Corey contracted COVID-19 while working on the front lines at St. Joseph's. He talked to me about supply chain operations during a global pandemic, PPE preservation, and what it's like to be a caregiver and a patient. This is an episode about bringing people together, the importance of teamwork and partnerships, and how a thank you can be a reward unto itself. This conversation inspired me as Corey is one of a kind and has quite a story to tell. Welcome, Corey. Thank you for joining us today. You're in New York, which has been a hot spot during this global pandemic. In fact, I understand that 85% of the admissions for a four-week period at your hospital were for COVID. And as that surge continued, many staff members, including yourself, tested positive for COVID. How early in the surge were you tested? And can you tell us what went through your mind and a little about that experience? So because we didn't really know a whole lot and the information that we were obtaining kept changing. I was actually not tested, nor was uh, many of our staff tested early on. Um, It was later determined that if staff showed symptoms, then they could be tested. And when I started to show symptoms, uh, I had um, a cough, and I just started getting really tired. I wasn't able to stand on my feet. And so I reached out to our CNO and she said, why don't you go to ambulatory and get tested? So that's what I did. And it turned out that uh, a day later, uh, it came back positive. So that totally, then it put everything into perspective why I was getting so tired and whatnot. Um, Fortunately, none of the uh, staff um, that I worked directly with uh, also tested positive. So, again, we didn't know a whole lot about this. We were thinking in the beginning that if you, you know, had, you know, COVID and you touched, say, you know, the copier machine or whatever, you could transmit it that way. But I was just very, very happy when I found out that none of the staff in my department uh, got it. So many people have said that COVID-19 is really not a big deal for people that are young and healthy based on your experience and the symptoms that uh, you had. Do you agree with that assertion or that statement? Yes. So it's interesting because I, when I became positive, you know, I, I felt kind of like, you know, I need to get some kind of t-shirt that, that, that uh, says I'm COVID positive because, you know, to me, this was somewhat unique. I know really anyone else who had this except for, uh, you know, a few staff members and they all ranged in ages. And what I was able to determine was everybody and it really depended on what their what their health was, because I, you know I regard myself as a pretty healthy guy, but you know I have my share of of over the counter medication that I take or whatnot, and then I have you know my share of 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 other of, other uh, health issues or whatever, but nothing you know nothing crazy. So I really think that it's dependent on 
the individual's uh, health. Um, and it's it's hard to really say that that young people are are uh, at less risk because I've I've been seeing individuals at the hospital who uh, you would not characterize as as being old having this or getting it. It's just maybe you know maybe it it, it affects the recovery time. Um, but me uh, myself, I was just you know. I didn't have a fever after after I was in the hospital, but I just was really tired. And I'll tell you something else. What's interesting? I just was really, really hungry, and that's not exactly something that you're hearing on CNN or anything. So I, I I'd love to know if someone is is you know giving that information to the CDC because hunger is Jeff definitely something that uh, was brought on from this this uh, virus. Wow. So how long did your symptoms last? And did you say that you were ultimately admitted to the hospital? Yeah. So, of course, we were told the same thing as everybody else uh, per the CDC guidelines. If you uh, are afebrile for 72 hours or whatever, then you can come back to work. Um, and if you don't show any other symptoms or whatever, then chances are you uh, you don't have it. You could be a carrier, but but chances are, if you don't show any other symptoms, you don't have it. But with me, it was different because I just, um, like I said, I could not stand on my feet. And um, the day, the, the, the one day where I got tested, I took my temperature and it was uh, 100.4, which was sort of the threshold that we were told that if you're, uh, uh, you know, 100.4 or above, then you um, want to isolate yourself. So that's when I I left the hospital, and I was in a hotel uh, for the week. I live in New Jersey, so I uh, I stayed up in a hotel. But I ultimately was ambulanced back to the hospital, uh, where I stayed for the, the the you know the following week. So what what was it like uh, being a patient in the facility where you work? Well, that's what was great because I really got to see uh, how healthcare was delivered from the other side, um, which I hadn't been hospitalized since uh, in college. I had a kidney stone, so uh, I, 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 you know, I'm not someone that that like you know is used to being waited on or whatnot. But uh, I really did feel feel that. Uh, um, I, you know, I'm I'm working on my HCAPS survey now because I I really want to put a lot of effort into it because the staff was just tremendous and I really did feel like a VIP. With your unique uh, experience and you have a very diverse background in healthcare, do you feel like your facility was prepared for everything you went through, seeing that uh, your region was uh, early in the surge and it has been long lasting? Uh, do you think you were prepared and your facility was prepared? Even though certainly none of us uh, had gone through anything remotely close to this pandemic, we've all had our share of experiences with with uh, other uh, crises. Uh, and um, certainly um, my team, the, the average the average tenure probably at that hospital in, in supply chain is probably at, at, at least double digits. And because of that, um, 
we were able to really rely on our creativity, uh, which really was our best quality. And it really enabled us to be able to, uh, you know, think on our feet and have the instincts for when, you know, we'd be getting in an influx, say, of, of, uh, of um, face, face shields that, you know, fortunately, uh, Health Trust had a, had a big part in, in getting us, uh, uh, getting us do getting donated from Ford Motor Company. But when they came in, I mean, you know, we're a small hospital. We have a small warehouse. And when we start getting in 60,000 face shields, you know, where are you supposed to put them? But we, we all banded together. We realized that, uh, that this was the type of thing that, you know, um, it was like the cavalry showed up. And we all just made it made it work. And you know, from early on, we we sequestered all the PPE, and um, we were uh, really just able to rely on the knowledge that we gained and and the the various outlandish environments that we've you know we've we've battled to, through together in the past. So, Corey, as we watch this pandemic unfold, both globally and specifically in the United States, we saw a lot on the news about Manhattan and New York and your region. When did you realize that this was different and this pandemic was directly impacting St. Joseph's and the way you operate? As we started to realize a shortage in our supplies and that the uh, that our supplier um, was uh, putting various items on allocation early on in March, like, like, you know, March 2nd, 3rd, 4th or whatever, all of a sudden items are being put on allocation um, that we regularly order. And that's when it really hit us. And then as I would, you know, reach out to um, other, other uh, uh, folks, Hunter in, in particular, um, I'm noticing, you know, emails that we're, we're having and, and uh, various other, uh, you know, health trust teammates who I, who I didn't know, who I never met, responding within minutes to our need for supplies. And it was just wonderful. And I really felt like I had the full backing of the entire health trust team um, keeping us above water. And it was because of that, because of the, the added involvement of uh, various other uh, networking groups that I had, I realized this is not uh, anything, uh, you know, to take light. So as you move through this crisis and emergency response, uh, how did you reorganize your team? Or we, did you find other people becoming part of the supply chain team that traditionally were not in that role? We had a we had a, a couple meetings in the in the early early part where we uh, kind of did a, a staff employee inventory and who who could be best utilized elsewhere who was absolutely needed and who could be repurposed within the department and whatnot and we were able to best utilize our staff around the needs of the department. But like I said earlier, I mean, things kept changing. What advice would you have for other supply chain leaders who lead smaller independent hospitals who are currently in a COVID surge or preparing for maybe a second wave? I think communication, obviously, you always hear that communication is very important. But in a situation like this, 
everybody is getting swamped with emails and phone calls that they may or may not be able to take at the time. I think what's important is not so much of outlining or talking, telling others what to do, but more so listening, listening to what the employees on the ground are telling you. So for example, we're in the office and we might be guided by emails or information that we're hearing about globally or from our higher ups. But the individuals on the ground, namely in receiving, you know, they might be seeing a whole whole different picture, especially with the influx of supplies or or POs coming in that are only uh, partially filled and whatnot. And I think listening, uh, particularly for a small organization, is very important. Also, to acknowledge acknowledge even the small the the, the small uh, pluses um, and wins that the employees show. I think, you know, in a situation like this, it's not like you're going to have immediate buy-in by everyone um, of, you know, what the course of action might be, especially since everybody knows this was this was new, and you know, we no one's ever experienced anything like this. But if you acknowledge and bring people into the the uh, plan and inform them, communicate early on, um, it builds up the staff and it it uh, helps helps you achieve the buy-in a lot easier. Um, and particularly for a small organization, you know, you got to do the best you can with you know the the uh, the team that you got. In my experience, crisis brings out the best in healthcare leaders and in clinicians. Uh, as you look back on your experience over the last few weeks, what positive things do you think have come out of this uh, coronavirus outbreak, this pandemic, as it relates to our industry and healthcare in general? I think the more that people now outside of supply chain know those words supply chain management and understand and appreciate what it's all about i think it allows us to be able to uh capitalize on that in you know by having the uh buy-in as i was talking about before but the acknowledgement of the importance of of our daily activities and where certain certain um, approaches that we've, we've taken in the past um, might get shot down, say, you know, um, with, say, administration or uh, up above us in finance. Now it's regarded that there are reasons why when we go and seek out the the assistance of our GPO, or you know, we don't go just about doing a Google search and 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 looking for supplies um, 
you know, out in the, on the internet, um, it's not that easy. That uh, now supply chain is, I, I think, in, you know, in terms of, you know, the public health crisis, the public health space, I mean, you know, you can't get any more important than supply chain. And I think now that, you know, other people are starting to realize that this is going to elevate our industry uh, um, immensely. So in that vein, as we look at the COVID continuum, and you spoke of the early surge in your region uh, back in March, where, where is your hospital today? And where, are you, where do you feel you are on that continuum? Are you coming out of the crisis? Uh, are you seeing your numbers drop? The number of patients that are positive being admitted to your hospital? How, how, where, where do you find yourself today? Our numbers are certainly dropping. We've been able to consolidate uh, units. We had at one point, we had opened up a, a wing that uh, we devoted to COVID patients. And then uh, we, you know, we've since moved things around. And now we have um, the ability to uh, not have to wear PPE except for a mask on the floor that was uh, um, assigned um, to be a COVID unit. And we really uh, weathered this storm. Of course, you know, there, there's the share, our, uh, the share of us who are concerned for a second wave in the fall. And, you know, we're, we're making our preparations now. My understanding, because I'm, I'm going to be returning to uh, the front line on Monday, um, officially, I got the word from my, my boss earlier yesterday that I'll be coming back Monday. Um, part of my role when I get back is to continually source the PPE that we found in such short supply early, early on so that we can build up our arsenal so that if and when we do get a second wave in the fall, you know, we're ready for it. So, um, you know, while we, to some degree, we may have been Pearl Harbored here with this, you know, we're not going to be fooled a second time. So in addition to that um, increasing PPE stock, what other things are you doing to plan for a potential second wave, Corey? Well, we're, we're, my understanding is the plan for us is we're going to be uh, erecting um, more shelving in our, in our storeroom and kind of shifting around some of the personnel to be able to uh, work from, from other locations. Throughout this whole thing, one of the lessons I learned was while it was all hands on deck for this COVID, you know, we still had an operation to run. And a lot of the regular activities were being overlooked. And one of them is in staffing. And so I realized early on that this was happening. I still made sure that I was able to uh, get my, conduct my interviews, get my staff situated the way I needed to, because, knowing that it was going to take uh, a few months for them to kind of get up to speed. So fortunately, I've been doing the preparation. So when we, when I come back and if and when we do get a second wave, um, the preparation that I made um, 
staffing wise should should uh make make for um much success but certainly also in nursing i i feel like they're doing the same type of things they're just making sure that their staff roles are are clearly defined and who's uh um you know how how many um folks they have to be able to uh you know handle the the additional um uh regular if you will regular uh activity um is available so so as you said your numbers uh your your numbers of covid positive patients at least on the inpatient side have been dropping are you seeing a return uh of your patient population for other routine uh, types of care, elective type care? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what's making us realize that supply-wise, because that's my uh, you know, bread and butter, obviously, uh, supply-wise, it's no longer just about taking inventory of our masks and gloves and gowns and whatnot. But we have to really be aware of of our our tubing and our IV solutions and our ostomy supplies and whatnot, because all of a sudden, you know, you can you can easily, uh, uh, you know, a less experienced team could easily take their eye off the the ball and and overlook those those items. But you know, now that we are in fact seeing an increase in our regular population. I mean, I can understand patients have been, you know, sitting home, you know, out on the sidelines needing needing the care that we we deliver and just not being able to uh um resume those those appointments. And now that we're seeing it, it's it's really something that we need to uh have anticipated and we certainly did to some degree. That's great. Have you observed, we hear a lot about uh, our frontline workers. Uh, have you observed a difference or a change in the relationship that your hospital has with uh, EMS or your emergency services providers? So our emergency, I can I, you know, I can speak from a patient's perspective because I was picked up by the ambulance and I was delivered to the hospital, which was night, which, well, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't nice, but it was nice being able to kind of see it from that perspective. And the emergency service provider in our area works so closely with our hospital because in the Yonkers community, there's only two hospitals. And uh, there's one ambulance company that services uh, the, the two hospitals. In fact, when the ambulance came to pick me up at my hotel, they uh, instinctively were going to take me to the other hospital because it was closer to my hotel. But um, I, I told them that I, I'm, I'm on staff at St. Joseph's and if they could kindly take me there. Um, I think our relationship with them uh, from what I saw when I was brought into the emergency room is only going to get stronger, uh, especially since they are the only game in town, so to speak. So our, we already had a strong relationship with them, but knowing that we can rely on them to be able 
to uh, have have our back in 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 a situation like this. I mean, you know, they had a hand in erect, you know, in helping us with our emergency uh, COVID tent that we had set up outside of the emergency room for some time. Um, and uh, we're we're tremendously thankful for for their involvement in that. How would you describe morale today? Well, I think um, people have really settled in um, to, you know, the acceptance uh, portion of of the the, uh, the you know the situation. In the beginning, people were just scrambling around. You know, people are hearing piecemeal information from the news, from the internet, from their phones, and then of course, what we were really looking for was the actual direction from the administration at the hospital, and they were hesitant to. Uh, put out official notification till they had it all straight from uh, the CDC and and the governor's office or whatnot. So because of the lack of communication, the lack of of, of direct communication, I would say, it just was the morale was low. But as we started to see little wins uh, happen as a result, everybody doing their part. And, you know, fortunately, the COVID patient population reducing, so it just made our job so much easier, you know, morale started to increase. I kind of liken it to a, uh, a, a, uh, an on-deck batter in baseball, stepping up to the batter's, bo- batter's box with three bats, swing the bats. Obviously, they're heavier than one bat. And then when they get to the plate, they drop two bats and they have the one bat and it's so much easier. Well, that's the way it was for us. We had this huge burden in the beginning where, where I was, I was, uh, um, charging my staff, my receiving and shipping and, and, uh, and, um, uh, inventory staff with, uh, keeping track daily of what's coming in and the quantities of what, so that we can keep an accurate daily count um, and match it up against our burn rate. Well, that is gonna cause anybody's morale to drop because already they were swamped with work and now we're putting more more labor on top of that. Um, but as, as we started to see the fruits of our labor paying off and uh, the numbers actually uh, being exactly what was the, the numbers that that uh, upstairs um, the upstairs end users were were seeing was exactly what we uh, were were providing them uh, you know from downstairs um, knowing that there wasn't really any more stock being being taken or or hoarded by end users and whatnot just just little wins like that everybody kind of you know working together i think morale overall just just really shot up well corey uh we've learned a lot from you today i certainly have uh you have a unique perspective not only are you a healthcare leader leading through a pandemic, but you also experienced it as a patient. And I think that leadership through crisis is inspiring to me and to all of us in the healthcare industry. And every day you and your team make a difference in someone's life. And we thank you for that. 
for all you've done and for all you continue to do. Thank you so much. I really felt that I had your full, the full force of the health trust arsenal behind me. And I could not have gotten through these last couple of months on my own, you know, without you guys. And I, I just, I, it, knowing that I have now expanded my universe, why would I ever want to, to go into something else? Because this is now, I'm able to go at my job, but having more firepower than just one person can provide. And it really just, it, it, it's really just something that I'm, I'm going to cherish. And I'm, I'm very fortunate and I, I'm very thankful to Hunter Bernstein in particular for, for making a lot of things happen for me that, that other, other people in, in my shoes just, I, I can't imagine that they'd have the abilities to, uh, you know, capitalize on. And thank you so much to all of you. Corey, thank, thank you. you, Corey. That was that was great. And Hunter, uh, what a testament to the support. That means a provided. lot. Thank you. Corey's a very special person, and I'm I'm so proud of him, and and proud of everything he's been through. And and um, you know, we've we've become friends over the, the past few years, and um, it's just really meaningful that you know the things that we do kind of go above and beyond uh, our professional lives and and into our personal lives. So thank you, Corey. That's really meaningful. Um, it, it, it's really heartfelt and, um, and I can't tell you how much it means to me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health Trust Candid Conversations podcast. Please visit education.healthtrustpg.com to find additional resources for clinicians and to listen to more of our candid conversations.